All right, you guys, so today we're gonna to be interviewing Teriko, who is a fashion model, and we've shot with her in previous modules. And today she's come to share with us her experience as a fashion model throughout her time working in this industry. So Teriko, thank you for coming, appreciate thank you. Thank you for having me. So tell us what, how you got started in this business. So when I was 10 years old, so in the fifth grade, leading up to that point in my life, everybody who's ever met me, people in the grocery store, family, teachers, kids' parents, were always telling me, oh my god, you need to model. Like, you're just the perfect, like, model. And I always thought modeling was stupid. I didn't really see why girls would do it. At that point in time in my life, I wanted to be a doctor. I was going to be a pediatrician. And I was like, modeling? Absolutely not. <laughs> like, I'm not doing that. Fifth grade year, they had a big fashion show and I was like you know what I'm gonna try it everybody keeps telling me do this that is let me just try it and see I'm not gonna knock it so I go for the tryouts I put on my first little pair of heels they were literally this big <laughs> from Kmart that my mom bought me. And I hit the stage and I hit that runway and I still remember it very vividly as if it happened yesterday. I almost like blacked out. <laughs> like the moment that I did it, not in a bad way, but I felt like I had a download and there was something in me that was like, yeah, this is it. Oh, you felt it this kick, kick it. in then? Yeah, the moment I stepped out. Damn. I never modeled before. I never tried runway, nothing. I hit that runway. It was as if I'd been training forever. So it was just really fun. Like it was just my friends and we did it just to do it because we were leaving the school that right. year. So around that time, I'm assuming like you were innocently like, oh, modeling is so cool. Like I get to be doing yeah. this in front of the camera, right? So yeah. that's perception of modeling. And then fast forwarding a couple of years, you actually getting into it. How has your perception of that dream of yours has changed now that you're how many years have you been doing it professionally well i'm 25 now so 15 years okay so you've yeah. been doing it for a, while, a long time my whole life pretty much yeah like i don't think there's ever been a time where i really stopped right or like a year where i took fully off of it and was like i'm not doing it kind of where I'm at like right now. Mm -hmm. But when I was a teenager and just everything in Maryland, I really enjoyed. I did fashion shows all over the East Coast, like Virginia, DC, um, just little ones, photo shoots with every like photographer that I could think of or that would hit me up. Just building up my book and just trying new things and really getting into it. Were you working with any commercial brands? Like what are some of the no. jobs that you did in your teens? In my teens, I wasn't doing jobs for like brands that are really well known. I was doing small designers back home in Baltimore, small photographers, just collaborating with people. Like Baltimore isn't a place where there's a big, big fashion scene. Mm. You have to make it. Right. And so when I was coming up, it was getting much bigger and more professional. But you're, you did, I guess, what I think is really smart that I actually encourage like models who don't live in big cities to do, which is you got to work with what you got wherever you're from, mm -hmm. because chances are wherever you're from, there's someone that wants to be a model or someone that wants to be a photographer. And yeah, they might not be good. They're not LA, New yeah. York, you know, quality, but they're where you can get the experience to be in front of the camera to pose and learn to mm -hmm. be confident, which is what I encourage people to do so that they show up to real shoots, exactly. like at least having some sort of experience. Mm -hmm. And I'm assuming that's what happened to so you went from Baltimore to where? How did you end up here? Did you go to New York first? What was your trajectory? So I was in Baltimore strictly modeling like there and other little DMV states. And then by the time I was 18, I had met a guy at one of the jobs in Baltimore. And he was like, oh, you need to meet my agent in New York. I think he'd really like you. So I said, okay. And I emailed him and it took like 
four months mm. <laughs> to even really get to meet up with him. When you say it took a couple of months for you to meet up with him, how long did it take for them to get back to you? Like a couple weeks. Okay, so they already knew that you were yeah. gonna reach out to them? Yeah. Okay, and so, then after you- So after we went to New York, I met with him, took a bunch of pictures of me, like digitals, just talking to me and my mom. He said, I'm gonna send you out to every designer in my roster and see what happens. So I didn't hear anything back from him after that for at least almost a year. Mm. So I just didn't have my hopes up. I just continued doing whatever I could in Baltimore. One day I'm in the grocery store with my mom and he calls me and I'm like, oh, hi, what's up? He said, can you come to New York tomorrow? at 8 a.m. I have a job for you for Numero magazine editorial. Mm. I said, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes, I can. So I get off the phone with my mom. I tell her and we're just like jumping up and down in the grocery store. So excited. How old were you at this point? I was 17. Okay. Wow. 17, 17 years old. Mm -hmm. Numero. Wow. I had a big afro, like my other hair that I had for a long time. <laughs> so we get on the bus from Baltimore. We always take like the mega bus. Mm four-hour drive and we get to the shoots my first real professional like industry job so i'm nervous so i'm kind of shaking they're doing my hair they're doing my makeup and everyone's talking to me like oh are you signed no i'm not signed i was the only model there that wasn't signed mm. i was just i know this person and that's why i got this job they're like oh you'll get signed no problem I'm like yeah you're right <laughs> <laughs> It was a problem. Oh, really? But we'll get to that. <laughs> <laughs> so we did the shoot, Spire. They had me in this huge, five times too big for me puffer coat mm. in 90 degree New York weather on a subway train with no air conditioning. I was like, this is modeling. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I love it, but yeah. I'm sweating my ass off. I stink. I know this coat's going to stink. Mm mm. But I'm doing it. I'm here. And was this a spread or what is yeah, it? Yeah, it was a spread in Numero and then on the cover there's Jaden Smith. Oh. And I had the biggest crush on Jaden Smith oh. when I was that age. <laughs> <laughs> so my mom's like, oh my god, it's amazing. Your right. first magazine and he's on the cover. And you guys didn't know until they should dropped, right? Who was um, on the cover? No, we right. didn't know anything. Yeah. Until, we didn't even know when it dropped. And was it was it just you or was it other models it with you? It was four other models. Oh, okay. Yeah. And the agent that got you that gig, who was he working for at the time? St. Clair Models. It's his own like mother agency. Mm. He's amazing. He signs mostly a lot of really, really fire men. A lot of the jobs I've worked out here with like certain guys, they all have a certain look and I just know that they're with St. Clair. Mm. It's very high fashion, not too commercially. So really fucking cool roster. <laughs> right. Like what did you know about fashion at that time? So you did this shoot and then what were you like expecting? Like did was it actually paid? Did they actually pay you? No, it wasn't paid. Okay, so it was just basically magazines typically are not paid. Right, right. Front cover editorial doesn't matter, you know. But you were paid, paid in in publicity and credibility basically because yeah. Numero is a pretty well reputable magazine in the fashion world. Yeah. So to be in that not even signed at 17 yeah. is a pretty big deal. Yeah. That Presumably means that it would have gotten you signed because you already have this big old production and you, you know, think. yeah, you would think, right? So what happened? How come it didn't lead to you know? Did he at least sign you as his no. mother agent? No, okay. I wasn't signed by him. So what ended up happening? Like after that, I just went back home and I was finishing up high school. I was in my senior year, having a good old time with all my friends before going to college. I just did modeling work in Baltimore. I didn't do anything else in New York. I went out there quite a few times. My mom would always come with me and we'd go to open calls, which is when agencies have certain days and certain times where they allow all models, doesn't matter if you're right. signed or not, if you have an appointment, to just come in and bring your 
photos, your digitals or a headshot, and just chat with the agents. So I went all over to every single agency that I could possibly go to, and nothing, I heard nothing for years, like a while. I did not hear anything, and I started doing that when I was probably 16. Mm, open calls too, because that was a different era, because people don't even do open calls anymore. Nope. So that was a lot of your time that you went to chase yeah. to make this thing happen. A lot of money. Those bus tickets, like $50 one way. Mm. And then during that time too, every year that you went, um, was your body developing differently and just growing too? Oh no, my body stayed pretty much the same up until this year. I was like 24 bus, like tw no, 31 bus, 24 waist, 31 hips. Mm. Tiny. I was the size of a literal mannequin. And that's why a lot of <laughs> people people wanted to work with me because I could fit anything. You could put me in. Double zero, triple zero. I was fitting in it. Mm. I was like skin and bone. <laughs> right, right. Which was ideal for me at the time. So I went to college, University of Maryland, Eastern Shore. HBCU in the middle of nowhere, Maryland. Princess Anne, I believe. <laughs> I was turned, you know, having a good time. One day I'm at my friend's house after a long night of partying, very long night. And the agent from St. Clair Models calls me again. And this is a year after the new Mero, like a year and a half later. So I'm like, why is he calling me? So I answer, I'm like, hey. And he said, can you come to New York this weekend? I was like, oh, why? Alexander Wang's team wants to see you. They want to do a fitting with you. I said, yep. Damn. <laughs> yeah, let me call my mom. So my mom and dad pick me up from my school, driving back home to Baltimore so I can get my stuff together. We go for a day and they wind up really wanting to see me again. So I'm like, okay, great. They're like, we'll let you know. The fitting went really well. We'll let you know if we want you. And a month after that is when Fashion Week was. Mm. So the agent calls me again and he said, they want you. I'm going to call my friends. They're like, really? Like, for Fashion Week? And I hung up, and we were just jumping, jumping down, so excited. Like, we were screaming. We partied hard mm. after that. <laughs> <laughs> and I was uh, majoring in fashion merchandising, so mm. I had a lot of fashion classes. So I told my professor. Oh, that would have been lit right? guys, I told my yeah. professor, I said, I have to go. I won't be here on Friday. I think I was going to miss something. But I have to go to New York to be in New York Fashion Week with Alexander Wang. And she was like, I don't even care if you're missing it. Like, good. I'm so excited for you. And she's like, do you want to sell the class? I said, okay. <laughs> sell the class. So everybody gets there, and they're like, oh, Mia has an announcement to make. That's my first name, Mia. Mm. Oh, yeah, Mia has an announcement to make. So I told them, and everyone in the class was just, like, super happy for me. Round of applause, hooting and yelling. Because... Mm. It's a big deal. Sick. Yeah. <laughs> and you're repping the area, right? Big so big deal. Exactly. Again, when I go there, I'm the only model not signed. I was 18. Most of them were probably around my age. Some were younger, 16, 15 with their mom and dad. Some of them were like maybe 22. A lot of models, those realms, at least back then, were very young. Mm. Very young. Definitely no models above 25 that would tell you their real age. Pretty much every model is like, oh yeah i'm 19 i'm 20 i'm 14 i'm 16. yeah and now i, I imagine because you mentioned that your body well i mean i know that your body changed because you in, intended for it to change mm -hmm. i've heard i'm not a woman but i know that women's bodies develop differently like as they go through their 20s to be yes. ready for uh, birth or delivery so their yeah. hips grow whatever so i'd imagine that the whole science behind why they want little kids is because they fit the clothes better yeah. And so that's why the younger you are, the higher advantage you have in fashion because your body yes. stays pretty much like a stick figure until yes. you develop like more in exactly. your years. Exactly. Right. So that's 
that makes sense why there's a lot of underage girls are just like really, really young girls. So you were on, on sign. There were people that were there that you got to connect with. Okay. And how was that experience? Like, were people chill? Were they competitive? Or is everyone just kind of like new to Ooh, it? What was the I experience? Got a story for you. <laughs> so this is a show that Kendall Jenner was supposed to be in. This is when her modeling career was getting a little off the ground because it's 2016. But all the models that I met backstage, I had like a group that I pretty much stayed in where we were just chatting the whole time, ate together. We were tearing that food up. <laughs> Whoever says models do not eat has not been backstage to a fashion show where we have to stand around for 10 hours. Mm. We were eating down. That catering was gone. <laughs> <laughs> gone. So we do our fittings. I thought I was going to be walking in the show, but instead I was a part of a completely different installation that was happening afterwards for Adidas and Alexander Wang's first collection together, mm. which was super sick. Yeah, I just dope. stood there. I just stood there and I held onto this like rope that was attached to these clothes on the floor mm. to make it look like I was selling stolen goods. Right, right, right. And so I'm just staying there the whole time for like four hours. Just chill. It's cool. Um, and before we go out, it's like an hour before the runway show is where it's supposed to start. Kendall walks in with her security guard. And at the time, I didn't know who the girl behind her was, but it was Haley Bieber behind her. Mm. It's a huge warehouse. Huge. Like a place where they keep boats. Or they could keep those ginormous like 18-wheelers in this type of warehouse, how big it is. We're just in a little section. Kendall, Haley... And the security guard, after Kendall's hair, makeup, nails are done, go all the way, all the way down. We could barely see them all the way to the end of the warehouse. It's like, that's weird. <laughs> like to separate from you yeah, guys? Yeah, completely separate herself, like isolate herself until it was time. And everyone was like, okay. And this is what year? 2016. Mm. Like, girl, okay, anyways. Um, <laughs> So the runway starts, they go, I'm all dressed and ready. We're standing behind this huge curtain that dropped at the end of the runway show that revealed the whole after party. Mm -hmm. And you'd see me and like five other models just standing there holding these clothes. Yeah, the after party started. And I would say the only thing that was awkward was people would come up to me, come behind me, come around me and like whisper in my ear and say, oh my God, you're so beautiful. Wow, you're so pretty. Like, oh my God, your hair is so gorgeous. But I don't expect to like hear people speaking to me. So I'm standing there zoned out and I'll be like, <laughs> Because <laughs> a lot of people don't even realize that yeah. some fashion projects or events that you'll do isn't you actually it's modeling, mm -hmm. but you're basically a prop. Exactly. And you're just there I'm as a prop, a, a moving prop that's like alive and stuff. I can't right? speak. Which I always found to be like super dehumanizing, even though it looks cool when you're like an event participator. Yeah. But if you're an actual model, I'm like, how do you do that and like feel dignified? Because you're just like looked at. And then <laughs> especially if it's your first time too, like, so you want me just to stay here mm -hmm. and hold this and yeah. not really react to anything that was my first time okay so it's like the standing guard from the buckingham palace basically like yeah, people, that's pretty much <laughs> people what trying to make you break character yes oh my gosh and actually this guy that i had known for like years leading up to this point but never seen him in person saw me and stood right in front of me yeah like we really liked each other all these years we'd never seen each other so this is the first time we're seeing each other and he's just standing there right in front of me staring. you weren't able to talk or anything no, i wasn't huh? able to talk oh i wasn't able gosh. to like make any facial movements so we're just story. staring at each other and then he walks and he's like wow did he so like pretty. walk off into no, the no he mist. walked next to me uh, and he waited like, for your shift to be so over pretty. with <laughs> oh really he called yeah. you pretty he was talking to you yeah like nice because we've talked for years like leading up to this point so we've yeah. known each other we've always kind of liked each other um and i was like oh that's cute <laughs> i would have gone fun. and tried to make you laugh 
I had a boyfriend at this time. Okay, though. Little mama, let me whisper. <laughs> I wanted someone to do that. That would have been funny. But yeah, I had a boyfriend at that point. Oh, so he's the one that got away. Well, no, absolutely not. Absolutely not. He did not get away. I had to block him out of my life. Oh, so kick his oh, ass shoot. out of my life. Damn. Yeah, because we started like messing around mm. out here. But Lord. <laughs> <laughs> okay so how much did you make from that event did you get paid for 300? this 300 bucks yeah for four hours you said yeah okay well doesn't include all the time backstage mm. which was like eight hours so do <laughs> runway models not get paid for like a day rate including like leading up to the event no no you're lucky if you get paid you're real lucky if you get real money in general huh yeah i feel like the installation girls like you have to get paid because who would do that for free yeah well i guess no, people would do that for free paid. people are like oh my god it's an alexander wang depends thing. depends on what it is but you probably won't get paid but that was your first gig so it was probably like yeah, super big and really you, could, big you could take that with you like i mm -hmm. Worked with Alexander Wang. I modeled, I modeled for Alexander Wang in I had a magazine. whole book. So I was like, yeah, I'm going to get signed. Oh, and to finish the Kendall Jenner thing, the next week, she does an interview in a magazine. And they're asking her about her Fashion Week experience. And she says, I always feel so isolated when I'm at these gigs. Like, the girls don't want to talk to me. And I'm sitting there like, girl, but you was all the way over there and something tells me you do that all the time because mm. you got your bestie by your side and your security guy like oh these these little knuckle babies be annoying me because <laughs> <sighs> as a model i feel like one of the best things is getting to meet other models mm. and just chatting and getting to know our experiences and we bond in a certain way everything that we have to go through the dieting and eating disorders and the mental health it's it's therapeutic camaraderie camaraderie exactly it it's fun i enjoy that part i think the most okay so that was your first fashion show experience and then what happened after that did you eventually get signed after that or did it take a little bit more convincing to these agents at 18 i got signed to two different small mother agents nothing ever came of it i don't even remember the name of those agents mm. 19 i was trying out for america's next top model i got hit up for that i got added to the lineup which is exciting and flown out to LA for the first time and I had a boyfriend in LA as well so I was like wow country plays one stone <laughs> I get kicked off of America's Next Top Model the first episode mm. breakdown crying I think it's the end of the world the end of my career and I actually had got signed in New York a month before I was told that I was going to be on the show mm. with this agency called and I was only signed for the, with them for like a week because I decided to do America's Next Top Model and they dropped me. Turns out one of the agents was a big predator though, so it worked out. Definitely worked out because I was the agent that liked me. Mm. So I'm happy I did not wind up staying with them. So after I get dropped from America's Next Top Model, they take me to my boyfriend's place. and Wait, who was the predator? The one at America's Next Top Model? No. Main agent was a predator, mm. and he did a lot of things to quite a few boys in the industry that I knew, which isn't unheard of. Which isn't in a unheard lot of, of these because Alexander Wang, which as cool as it is doing his show, I can't sit here and not acknowledge the fact that he is also a predator and has right. done a lot of things to a lot of men in the industry. So after America's Next Top Model, which was a really cool experience, something I always wanted to do ever since I was twelve. So two years after I started modeling, right. and I actually admired. Tyra Banks and everything that America's Next Top Model was. Before we all knew the truth. Before we all knew the truth. <laughs> <laughs> so I was 
was excited. I was happy. And then I was devastated, distraught, torn apart when <laughs> I didn't make it farther than one episode. So I was with my boyfriend for just a few days and I flew back home to Baltimore. But you didn't know if they were going to include any of the footage until it aired? Oh, I knew. Oh, because yeah. I'm very dramatic. Uh. Um, Not necessarily on purpose, but I just am very dramatic. <laughs> so the bawling my eyes out to the camera because the camera's right there when you leave the room it's right in your face mm. and i'm just like <laughs> chatting like <laughs> chatting you know That's they want that that's what gets the viewers and then i go in the room where all the ladies for like models yeah that are waiting to go in the room or standing and i drop to my knees they come rushing to me and they're like oh my god what's wrong are you okay what happened what happened because we all were for sure i was gonna get it i was gonna make it past one episode and i was gonna win the whole thing mm. nope nope devastated <laughs> oh man uh I thought I would never get past that. All of these obstacles, and you still felt like modeling was something that was what yeah, we were trying that to make I happen. To do. Yeah, for sure. I couldn't give up. I had bigger goals. I had bigger dreams. There's so much more that I wanted to do and accomplish, and I wasn't gonna stop. You're like, I need to make at least a nice check from really something. Cool yeah. <laughs> I wanna do some really, really fire things. I wanted to be a Victoria's Secret model. I wanted to do makeup campaigns, all types of stuff. Mm -hmm. The only thing that ever really stopped me back then was my grandfather's death mm. um it took a big toll on me and that actually started happening after i kicked off of america's next top model so i went home first month was fine the next month after that my grandpa slowly was starting to deteriorate mm. he wasn't at home anymore he was in a hospital i was working two jobs I, my boyfriend was extremely abusive towards me so i was seeing my grandfather die while also hearing this man in my ear telling me that i'm not giving him enough attention <laughs> that i'm not being a good girlfriend and that i'm being selfish i didn't even really get to grieve my grandfather properly or like put all of my attention in to him but watching him die was the hardest thing i've ever done in my life like i've gone through a lot and that's definitely one of the hardest things um i'm sorry thank you so for about four months i laid in my bed i couldn't get up i couldn't do anything like after the day we got that call that he was gone i just couldn't do anything because the next day after that i want my grandma and my dad and we picked out his urn and we talked about funeral arrangements and i had a very close hand in everything that went into my grandfather's passing all still while dealing with this annoying man mm. <laughs> continuously telling me that i'm not good enough for him or that i'm not good enough period and I just needed somebody and he was just that for me no matter how mean he was or how much he hurt me mentally and emotionally i just needed somebody during that really like difficult time you just yeah. needed someone to be there exactly he had came and visited baltimore before to meet my parents because we were trying to convince them to let me go back to la so i could get signed possibly then i came out here to stay with my boyfriend I stayed for three months with him. During those three months, I got signed. So towards the end of the year, I got signed. The following year in February is when my agency flew me out and I lived in LA. That's when I really started like And then your here. grandpa passed after that? My grandpa passed in 2017, which is when I did America's Next Top Model, everything like that. Mm. And then 2018 is when I came out here mm. for like more officially. I got signed during that time of living with my boyfriend, even though it was another one of the worst decisions I've ever made in my life because of the way that he just treated me and treated me like 
shit and would lock me out of the house if he was mad at me and didn't give me keys and it was just crazy he was just crazy he was insane wow i'm sorry he was sorry absolutely had insane yeah and i was just 19 and he was 28 what was he was he a model what yeah he, what model do? actor typical you know shit but horrible person horrible individual today's podcast is brought to you by me Brandon Andre. If you're a model who wants to become a working model, then you need to enroll in my model masterclass today. In my online class, I teach models how to make more money by showing them how to manage their careers as a business. From getting signed, to building a portfolio that gets you jobs, to building an audience on TikTok and Instagram, then monetizing it, to learning how to win the favor from your agents and casting directors, to learning how to brand yourself on social media, and how to lure in brands and brand deals to increase your income as a model. Getting signed doesn't mean you'll get work, but learning how to run a business does. So enroll my model masterclass now by going to my website at brandonandrephoto.com. You had pretty much very confusing road at this point. So you had already done Numero. Mm -hmm. You've done this Alexander Wang. Mm -hmm. You did technically America's Next Top Model, even though it didn't really lead to anything. Mm -hmm. And then you lose your grandfather. And so now you're just like, okay, like, what am I going to do? What am mm -hmm. I doing here? You find this guy who basically is your ticket to LA to at least be, mm -hmm. did you do an open call? How did you, with this agency that you ended up getting signed with, how did you connect with them? How did, what ended up happening with that? I had wound up getting hit up by some other agent in England. His name is Peter Czar. I was the only American on his roster. He knew a couple agencies out here and he hit them up and I got two meetings. I went to both of them and only one management wound up signing me, mm. which was cool. I didn't stay with Peter um, for like, I only stayed with him for two years and that's how long I was with. But I signed with in 2017 and they flew me out February of 2018 to live in a model apartment in LA. Mm. Model apartments. Mm -hmm. <laughs> model apartments. So that's how you got signed. So yeah. it was through a mother agent. Then you were signed with management for two years. Yeah. How was that experience? And then what was your experience like being at a model house? So being signed with in the beginning was great. I'm excited. This is my first like agency that I'm going to be with for a long time. I had a three year contract with them. So I was just excited to be in LA and have an LA agency and live on Hollywood Boulevard. And yeah, it was great. I had jobs. I worked like two jobs. I had castings all the time. I loved it. And then I didn't because <laughs> they, mm, that agency is shady mm. very shady i mean the owner is a predator he does whatever he wants to whoever he wants mostly boys which i find the pattern in the industry is a lot of young men or just men in general will go through a lot of sexual assault and harassment and they'll make you feel like that's what you have to do to mm. get a job to get a booking to get a commercial you have to take these drugs with me and go to the club with me and drink drink with me so you can come back home with me and I do whatever I want to you. It's very disgusting. Which is actually very shocking that you as a female are speaking more in that direction than about what woman experiences in the fashion world. The woman experience isn't too far off. When I turned 18 years old, there were photographers that I had been working with since I was 14, 15, 16. When I turned 18, they were all trying to see who could fuck me first. Wow. It's horrible. Turning 18 as a woman is extremely traumatizing extremely there's all these men in your life that you think really love you and really care for you and when you're legal they're just trying to get in your pants immediately mm. you realize that nobody cared about you anyways they were all just waiting to get a piece of you they were all just waiting to see who could take your virginity first mm. make bets on you 
It's disgusting. It's gross. I would never want to be 18 again, just for that <laughs> oh, fact. Man. And if That's I ever wild. have a daughter, I am paying close attention to her when she turns 18 because the predators come out. Mm. They're not hiding anymore. They're in your face with it. It's gross. Yeah. So you kind of go through that for a long time as a woman and i'm sure as a boy too i only know so much because of what i've heard from male models that i was friends with what they told me our agents that have done to them try and drug them go party with them make passes at them mm. try and rizz them up and all types of shit it's gross it's disgusting or this agency do you consider this industry like very sexualized and led by people that are very, very sexualized beings. Very. And that's kind of how they move when they look for people to represent, it's, look for who they want to work with. It's all yep. like sexualized energy channeled predatory. into power. It's predatory. These agents would sign people they'd want to have sex with. And some of them are going to try and do that with you. I feel like I've mostly heard it for boys, for like male models. I've heard that the most. Mm. Is your agent signs you because they're attracted to you? If you look at an agency's board and you notice a pattern of the type of men and women that they usually... Sign. Yeah, sign. Mm, that pattern mostly shows a fetish for... Their male board is all black male models. Not an issue. That's great. I'm happy. That's one of the few agencies that actually has mostly black mm. people on their roster for men and women. The stuff that I heard from the boys in the apartments that I did know, it was extremely gross. Why do you think that very few speak out? And why do you think that they don't just leave? Like, what is it that they want out of it, even though they have to go through this traumatizing experiences? Money. The money will keep you going. If you're booking every day of the week, making 10K a week, don't matter what's going on. I don't care what my agent's trying to do. I am able to have a Tesla, a Porsche, a $3,000 apartment in LA, eat whatever I want, take care of myself. I don't care. That's a lot of models. Models like me who aren't making that much money, you just love it. And you're still hoping that one day you will be making that much money and you go through anything to do it. Or you have nowhere to turn. A lot of these models aren't even from America. They're right. on a visa. They don't have the money to go back home because the agents are making sure that they're not booking or they're just not booking in general. So the only person that can fly them home is the agents. A lot of models that come from different countries come over here to make money to send to their families back home. It's not for them to personally keep, it's for them to take care of their family. Mm. So they have no choice. This is their choice. Damn, that's wild. Yeah. How do you think they cope? Drugs, a lot of coke, a lot of coke, alcohol, clubbing so easy to club especially as a like female model just have to know a promoter and you're going to five star dinners for free getting the uber for free going to one oak avenue bootsies whatever you can think of rubbing elbows with g easy and whoever else is going out <laughs> it's addicting not only are you addicted to whatever drugs or the alcohol or smoking a lot of weed and stuff like that, you're addicted to the, hype. the lifestyle. Yeah. You can't get that anywhere else. Maybe Miami and New York, but LA? You don't want to leave that. You just don't. I don't matter how badly it has ruined me myself. I've been at some real low points out here. I was not going home. I was going to stay out here and deal with it. Why? Going home wasn't a choice for me. 
when I was like 19, 20, 21. Just didn't see anything for myself over there. I wanted to be away from Baltimore so bad. It was the last thing I wanted in my life was to go back there and feel stuck. Mm. I was modeling out here. I had friends out here. I wasn't making money. I was broke. <laughs> but I was living on Sunset Boulevard and Hollywood Boulevard and all these different model apartments. All my friends were just these gorgeous, gorgeous girls from all over the world. And we just partied and drank and flirted with boys and went out that's why so even during the time that you were signed with your agency how much money did you end up making in total would you say Ooh, like maybe four thousand dollars total in the two years that you were working mm -hmm. so you had to work another two job jobs. two jobs you only got two jobs only two jobs how many did you do any magazine editorials did you test I did shoots two did commercials you... i did a lot of test shoots but that doesn't pay the only paying jobs i ever had with them were two commercials <laughs> what commercials were they one for a gasoline company and the other one was for Hulu, but it never aired. But I got checks for them for three years after that. It sounds like that during that time, there was this constant hope for you that you would still get that one thing that yeah. would be your big break. Yeah. And that's why mm -hmm. you continued to like be in this world, knowing that it was toxic, knowing yeah. that it was destroying your spirit, but mm -hmm. you were still hoping that you would have a way out mm -hmm. by if you just stuck it out a little bit longer. And did that ever come? Nope. I had all these friends who had money working all the time huge contracts with different brands really popular on social media i thought oh you know hanging out with them i'm gonna learn how to do that too nope nope if you think that no no that's not happening they're not your friend for you to go and take what they have from them no absolutely not you're gonna hang out with them and you need to know what it is it's very rarely a real friendship you're just convenient for each other that's all that is so would you say that you weren't a real friend to them or they weren't a real friend to you i would say that we all had our moments of not being real friends to each other the jealousy why is she booking but i'm not why is she making this much money but i'm not why is she going to this event but i'm not but i also had a lot of friends who were white when i mostly came out here i didn't have a lot of black friends which was different for me i can't necessarily compare my myself to those women because I don't know what it's like to be white in the modeling industry. I only know what it's like to be black, mixed, very ethnic looking girl in the industry. It's very mm. different. It's extremely different. I have to fit a certain mold and I don't fit the mold for LA black girls, which made it even more difficult for me. So during that time, because you know LA is a very commercial market for models, mm -hmm. why not make it back to New York and see what your opportunities were there? I had no opportunities in New York. I'd been to every single agency that you could think of. Small and large, Ford, Wilhelmina, boutique agencies, everything. Nobody wanted to sign me. Nobody. Why do you think that is? My height, they would always say. Because I'm 5'8", they wanted me to be 5'10". Mm. It's because I'm black. They can't have me be short and very different looking. It's too difficult for them to market. If I look like this and I was also 5'11", I'd be a supermodel by now. Like, I wouldn't be sitting in LA. I'd be all over the world doing whatever campaign possible. And I understood that from a young age. I used to cry to my mom and say, I wish I was white. Mm. I wish I was a white model. I wish I was not a black model. I wish I had blonde hair and blue eyes. Because wow. at my height, I could do anything if I was white. I can do literally any job possible if I look like this and I was white, but I'm not. I look like this and I'm black and I'm Japanese and I'm a little white. It's hard. How did that mess with your self-confidence? A lot. 
felt like I wasn't good enough at all for something that I've been chasing ever since I was 10 years old. I felt like I wasn't good enough, that I wasn't going to do it, that I wasn't going to make it, that I wasn't going to reach these goals because I didn't look a certain way. It's very difficult. And then constantly looking for just love and appreciation on social media. Maybe if I post this picture, it'll get 100,000 likes. No. Maybe if I post with this friend, it'll boost my followers up because LA is all about followers. So if I have followers like my friends, maybe I'll book more. Nope. <laughs> Mm. nothing worked nothing because I wasn't being true to myself I was boxing myself in and fitting into what I thought LA wanted me to be what I thought these agencies wanted me to be instead of being me and living my life in a way that I see fit I was doing everything for what I thought everybody else wanted for me right but not what I wanted for me because I was chasing these dreams and I thought I had to follow a certain path or a certain mold in order to make that happen and make that come true how did you know how to navigate the industry you know this course that I'm making is to really give people a clear direction of how to actually navigate all this did you have anyone teach you anything or did you have to figure out everything on your own when I was in Baltimore about 13 years old I had went to one of those scammy modeling and acting schools please don't go to those anyone listening to this, please don't go to one of those bizarre all that they don't do nothing for you except waste your time and run your parents bank accounts dry don't do it don't do it the only thing good that came from that was the photographer who took the test photos he really liked me and he told this lady her name is miss t who was running sort of her own modeling kind of similar to what we're doing right just teaching young models in Baltimore, helping them and guiding them. So I connected with her when I was 13 and she was my mentor. That's who she was for me growing up in Baltimore. I was with her doing all types of workshops for other models, mm. summer camps for modeling, all types of stuff. I love her. I'm going to be seeing her very soon mm. and work with her in a different way now when I go home, nice. which is very exciting. In LA, I had nothing like that. I was alone. I had one cousin out here, but she went to UCLA. So if I was out here, I would see her maybe one time a year because she was so busy. Other than that, I had nobody. Nothing except for whatever friends I had in the model apartment. Right. They were giving the information, which is how a lot mm -hmm. of models figure out things. They just yeah. figure out from other models and stuff. By the time it's usually like a little exactly. bit too late. And a lot of those models aren't necessarily telling you what you need to hear. They're telling you what they want you to hear. Right. It's a lot of sabotage mm. that happens. So do you wish you would have had something like this that like explained everything ahead yeah. of time, like every bit of experience? And yeah. what do you think you would have benefited from knowing in advance that would have changed how you navigated the industry? It would have changed everything. The way that I just viewed the industry completely, I thought it was glamorous that when I became this supermodel I had in my head, I just have everything that I ever wanted, no problems in the world. And I'd actually probably wouldn't even be sitting here. Mm. If I continued on the road that I had continued, if I didn't, if I grew up having this type of knowledge and information, I maybe would not have modeled as long as I did because I didn't know the toll that it takes on you. And I already was born with anxiety and depression. I have severe depression, suicidal tendencies. That's why I have this little semicolon tattoo because I tried to kill myself when I was 13. Like my mental health is not okay. Even now, I'm still trying my hardest, unmedicated, with anxiety 
and depression that's just crippling every single day. What happens in the industry during these past six years of being in LA has taken quite the toll on my mental health in an even worse way. I became an alcoholic at one point in time. I just couldn't go without drinking. I couldn't live my life without being drunk because I didn't want to think about anything that was going on. All of this, would you say that it was because you were so depressed with the outcome of your dreams? Yeah, I was going nowhere. I was sitting in a model apartment, which is really nice, really pretty. <laughs> and which is Boulevard. not all of the experiences that I've heard. Not all the experiences. Maybe for female apartments with the males, I oh my god. I got lucky because <laughs> had the best model apartments I ever seen. Mm. They were clean. We had a big two-bedroom apartment. All the girls that I lived with, they were amazing. We were super, super close. I still follow all of them on social media. Like, those are my girls. I love them. <laughs> no castings. No work. Five months of nothing whatsoever, but updated digitals. is hard. And this was what year, too? Let's, so it's what, 2019? 2019, 2000... living... Yeah, 2019. 2019, 2021? 2019. 2019 is when I was living in this really beautiful apartment which is where my mental health took a was bad horrible some of the worst between like 2019 2021 mm. it was horrible because um, i'm assuming like you're struggling broke. financially and then you're hoping for this dream of yours mm -hmm. to come into fruition and then nothing. you're like nothing is moving and then then you're seeing all these people around you which is what i go over yeah. in the course where i'm like you guys can't compare yourselves to other no, people because if you do it'll destroy you from the inside out and yeah wow and as then, much as I would say that to myself, like, you can't compare yourself to your friends, it doesn't stop my mind yeah. from just going crazy at three in the morning while I'm laying there wide awake. Why does da-da-da get all these bookings, but I don't? What am I doing? Am I, like, not thick enough? Do I not have enough muscle on my body? I can barely eat. I can barely afford to eat. I maybe ate one thing today. Um, I drink a lot of alcohol at the club, though. That's the only thing that I can really do is just go to the club and drink and be high and that's the only way to get food is the dinner before the club <laughs> that's a lot i can barely afford a sweet tea from mcdonald's which is a dollar 25. i was that broke what do you think during that time you were really and even like when you look at the lives of all your model friends what do you think it was that you were really actually looking for in your life like was it actually success no. or was it just love it was love I was looking for a lot that I did not have growing up. I was bullied very, very, very harshly since I was seven years old. Um, I was called ugly every single day. There was not a day in my young life where I was not reminded how ugly and disgusting and worthless I am. Like up until high school, up until I was like 15, I was told I was the ugliest girl in school. I was ugly as fuck. I would never amount to anything by all my peers in school that came from outside the home i'm assuming right because your mom took you yeah. to casting so she was a very big supportive my person. mom and dad were and still are my biggest supporters my grandpa too mm. he would always call me hollywood girl when i was mm. a little girl my whole family loves what i do and they support what i do a hundred percent it's never really a question of if i was gonna model it was always when mm. And we're gonna be right there for you so and then so you got that support from your family but mm -hmm. then you go to the world and the world is battering you down and you're yeah that's conflicting to you because usually hard. it could be it could be both where people have it bad from the inside and the outside or people have it bad from the inside and then good in the outside and stuff mm -hmm. and you that's conflicting for you yeah. growing up like that but then at a certain point they got validated because then people were complimenting you right so they then got that's very like 
validating and that validation becomes an addiction because mm. I didn't have that for so long. So even now I talk to my boyfriend about this. My addiction to social media is because I'm really not used to everybody saying how pretty I am still. I, it's doesn't feel right. Sometimes I don't even get it. Mm. Like when I look myself in the mirror, I'm like, I don't get it. Like I always just feel like that little girl who's crying in the bathroom stall, thinking of killing herself and how she's going to do it in the middle of history class, because why am I here? And it's, it's, during that time, I didn't really know what I was looking for. 2019. I just know I needed love. I needed a little bit of community, whatever that mm. could be. I couldn't be alone. That was my biggest fear was being alone. I don't think I could, at that point, I didn't think I could live with myself if I was right. just fully alone. Like I was scared to be alone because I was right. scared of what I was going to do to myself. I used to cut myself. I used to harm myself. I was afraid mm. of what I would do if I was alone. And now do you find yourself still searching for that? Oh God, I pray for times where I can be alone. Oh, I really? love being alone. <laughs> oh man. I love it. I love it. Well, meaning like being in like, because going back to like what were you looking for, you know, throughout this entire experience and and adventure and you're saying like love, right? But like even to this day, like, and when we say love, we're not talking about like romantic love, but we're we're talking about just being seen. Wanted. Yeah, being seen and being known. Yeah. And do you feel that way now or do you still feel like you're searching for that? Or do you feel like, because I know you're in a relationship, do you feel like you have a temporary high because of this relationship and then you you're still like oh maybe i do have it because i have this person but really deep down you're still looking for that what do you think not at all my boyfriend knows that i love him and i want him but i do not need him Mm. i do not need anybody in my life to feel fulfilled at this point in time before i got into this relationship i took a whole year by myself with just only a couple friends who i'm actually not even friends with anymore Growing, a lot of growing. I lived by myself uh, 2021 till early 2022 in a studio apartment, just me and my cat. Mm. Never, never have been like that before. Just waking up in pure silence, nobody but me. Drove me fucking insane (laughs) for the first half of living there. I didn't know what to do with myself. I was just high all the time, smoking a lot, a little too much. Mm watching movies, ordering Uber Eats, having daily mental breakdowns over whatever popped into my mind about what I feel like is wrong with me in my life. Mm. Just a lot of soul searching and healing. I had a lot of real like revelations in that apartment. What did you learn? God, I learned so much about my childhood. Just that a lot of what happened to me wasn't my fault. There was nothing that I could have done to have made my childhood better, to have made certain people in my life love me. Or respect me. I was. I've been raped. I've been mm. sexually assaulted. I've been harassed for large parts of my life. I've been preyed on for most of my life. Just things that I couldn't control. That I still, to this day, am like kind of healing. But back then is when I actually acknowledged what happened to me because my brain blocks out a lot. Being alone, my brain unlocked so much information that I did not remember. Mm. And I would have panic attacks that were so bad, I would have to force myself to sleep because I was shaking so violently and like throwing up. My panic attacks were that bad. Just living alone for those few months, remembering everything that bad that had ever happened to me. It's very hard. I still have that sometimes, but I don't feel as anxious about it. Right. I want to learn more and I want to heal more and definitely go to therapy eventually, which is something I'm saving up for because <laughs> I need a lot of it. <laughs> 
I guess my question to you too is like when it comes to your relationship with God, what is that like? Do you have one? It's been so rocky. It's been so rocky my whole life because you have that question, why would God put me through this? Like, why am I going through this? Like, what do you want from me? <laughs> do you want me to kill myself? Do you want me to stay here? Like, what is it that you want from me? Because I can't take this anymore. Mm. I remember just crying, balled up in a little ball on my bedroom floor back home, bawling my eyes out, blasting like pierce the veil, <laughs> and just bawling my eyes out till my head hurt, till my whole body hurt from crying so much. My lungs would hurt, I was crying so much. Nobody would know that I was doing that unless I called my friend for the suicidal thoughts that I had every single minute of every single day. It's like, God, why are you doing this? That's all I would say. It's like, why are you doing this to me? Why is this my life? What why? answer did you hear? I had to go through everything I had to go through so that I could help other people who are going through it now. I have come across so many people, a lot of them were my friends, that went through damn near the same exact things that I went through, but I got better. I healed. I went through that when I was 16. I went through that when I was 19. And they're that age right. going through that same, same exact thing. And I'm here to help them, to show them they're not alone. It's the most lonely feeling. Heartbreak, um, healing after being assaulted. It's very lonely. Even though you're not alone, you have friends, you just feel like nobody gets it. Because if it hasn't happened to anybody that you know, you're just like, you won't understand me. Like, you don't understand me. And I understood them mm. and everything that they've gone through. I wrote essays, poetry, but a lot. Abusive relationships, deep dived into that and the PTSD that you suffer after being in an abusive relationship. Just all types of stuff. And it helps me help other people. Those of us who've been through the hardest things, who have been the most broken, are the ones that end up loving the most. Mm -hmm. And I feel like once you understand that and you recognize that, and you recognize that we live in a world that is so without love, you then understand why we had to go through what we had to. You can only understand love when you don't have it. Yeah. And only then you understand the importance of giving it. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think, I mean, that's a part of the reason why this course exists because I have gone through my own experiences, you know, just in my personal life that I learned love. And then this love that I have makes me want to help other people to not be broken and not go through so many of these things, you know? And it makes it very fulfilling because I left fashion to pursue music and also because I'm just like, this isn't lucrative monetarily and it's mm. so gross. Like, I don't like having to be fake to people. Like, yeah. I don't care who you are, like mm -hmm. what you do in the business. Like, if it's not going to lead to something that's going to provide an income, I could care less who you are. And everyone wants you to have this like reaction. They're so-and-so. Oh! Yeah. Okay, I don't care, you know? And it's like, it's this weird thing. I'm like, I'm not fake. I don't care about, no one impresses me. Like, what really yeah. impresses me is just people that are real. Like, that's the only thing that I care about. I don't care if you're a exactly. celebrity. I don't care how many followers you have. There's nothing about you that's interesting because exactly. in most cases, every single one of those people were less powerful than I was. Yeah. They had less amount of confidence than I was. Yeah. They were less sure of who they were than I was. So it's yeah. like, you have nothing to offer. All you are is just an image and an idea, but I'm the actual thing. Without money, maybe, at that time, 
time. And that's what was like such a weird, weird thing. So I'm like, I'm not looking for anything here. And at this point, I just want to survive. I want to be able to provide for family and, and make money and, and make a living and stuff. And now I'm back with mm-hmm. a vengeance. And now I'm back. I'm like, look, I'm going to do this my way. And I'm going to exactly. show you the power that I had. And I'm going to help and do everything I can to prevent models from going through what you went through so that you have options. You mm-hmm. see modeling as something that can be beautiful, but you're not depending your whole life on it, on an idea. Right. You know that you can be sober minded through doing it and have a business plan to see, hey, maybe I can make some money here. Or maybe I'm not going to make any money, but I just love to do it. So I'll do these editorials. I'll do all these things, but I'm going to have another income so that I can still survive and not be broke and then be broke minded. Yes. Yes. Which a lot of models don't do. The ego is crazy crazy with being a model right whether you're working or not you a model you think everything is in the palm of your hand right because kind of is especially in la i'm going out to these clubs i mean all types of celebrities i'm in an uber with paris hilton and jasmine tokes my favorite victoria's secret model with me and my best friend and we just got drunk at this giant mansion for some billionaire yeah you think you can just do anything right because you're doing anything out here any celebrity crush i ever had i met all of them Mm. i've hung out with most of them pretty much any celebrity i've ever really wanted to meet in my life i've met them icons real icons I've met interesting right so it's exhilarating it's 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 enticing it's exciting especially and i think this is what's a big important thing too is that when you come from a boring place in the world where there's nothing going on this is what you think life is about you Mm -hmm. think these are the stories that you want to have but then you're in it like you were and then Mm -hmm. you find out that it's empty you feel and you end up empty because there's still nothing that you're getting from it except stories of how mm-hmm. you were trying to be somebody mm-hmm. at a younger age that you that wasn't ever true to who you were you know now though now that you've kind of you're going through this healing process which by the way i need to say like i hear your story and i just i'm sorry that you had to experience all this you know i'm sorry that you had to go get your heart broken many times throughout several different types of events that you were harmed physically by people that you were supposed to be able to trust i'm i'm really sorry that that happened to you and i just want to remind you you are loved that god does love you you know the way that he loves me he loves you he loves everything about you and you know and i I think you know the questions that we have sometimes like god why can't why isn't this happening like Mm. this thing that i want so much why and i think oftentimes what god is trying to communicate to us that we reject is I need you to let go of this thing that you want so bad because what I have for you is so much greater. So much better. And the minute that you let go of this thing, I can show you what I intended for your life Mm -hmm. and you will be fulfilled Mm -hmm. in doing what I have planned for you. But people want to hold on so bad because it's like, yes. Like one thing I've learned is my life is not necessarily in my control. Right. I can manifest things that I want. I can say I want to do this. I can control the decisions I make, good or bad. There's millions of decisions you can make in this world that will have a million different outcomes. Mm. It really depends. God gives you that power to choose what decisions you want to make. Right. But God knows where those decisions are going to go. And there are some good decisions and then there's some bad decisions. Some bad decisions. And you know? then those bad decisions come with a whole other lesson. Right. You're going to live. You're going to get through it. Mm. 
you're gonna come out on the other side but you could have avoided it exactly and i've gone through so much of that yeah <laughs> so much of that out yes. here yeah oh, and because you know God. i think about too I'm like they're gonna be people that take this course and yeah. they're gonna be told everything the and truth and then they're still gonna make the same decisions exactly so We're human yeah We're it's human. it's a part of the experience and stuff and, and but we get to choose our hard mm -hmm. you know like for me like my hard is putting together businesses like this it's it's not easy it's hard yeah but i rather choose that hard than choose the hard that tries to gain a following and pop off and be fake and try to mm -hmm. like be famous and try to chase fast money mm -hmm. i'd rather choose this hard than that hard yeah. so in the end it's like you choose your heart because life is not going to be easy and especially no. if you want to be successful it ain't going to be easy doesn't matter what you choose to do in your life doesn't matter what type of money you come from what type of money you have millionaires billionaires and broke people in the ghettos we all have very similar problems mm. It's just the amount of money that problem costs is different. Right. Coming out here, I thought the celebrities and these influencers had the best life possible. When I saw how absolutely miserable, just miserable, worse than me, and I was saying something, mm. a lot of these people are, it turned me off. I wanted to be famous when I was a kid. I wanted to be like Bella Hadid when she was coming up. I wanted to be the next Naomi Campbell type stuff. No no that's completely changed that's completely completely gone out the window for me if it happens it happens but i'm not manifesting that for mm -hmm. myself anymore i would not want that at this point in my life i could give two shits yeah. if i ever become super famous or a supermodel i just want to model and do what's fun right and whatever comes to me if it makes sense i'm going to do it but i'm not reaching to become a celebrity right i don't think so that's why i like to tell people that people who say that they want to be famous what they're really saying is i want to be worshipped yeah and then when you have that realization that that's what you're actually saying you become a god in your own life yeah. and ain't no place for another god in this world it's, it's hard <laughs> like we are all made in the likeness of god i do believe that we have god within us and that we are a piece of god but when you try to play god in your life and in your community and think that you are holier than thou is when you get struck down right and you get struck down hard. Yeah, and it might not happen at the time that you think because people yeah. do. It Sometimes does. it works for some people. It does. And then they're the ones, though, that have a harder fall mm -hmm. or they end up dying because they end up not being able to live with the fact that it ended up not being what they thought it mm -hmm. was and it's still empty inside. After all of, like, your experience, what do you think you want to do now? Now that you know, too, like, you can control pretty much your career and, like, no one has to tell you anything. Like, you can be signed to an agency or you can be an independent model and still have jobs coming through social media. Mm -hmm. Like, but just even as a human who's like you know what you're 25 you know i don't know if you want to get married and have a family and have kids like what your future holds but what do you think is next for you and how do you incorporate the modeling aspect into it well right now my plan is going back home to baltimore and going to college for psychology which is another love of mine that i've had for a very very long mm -hmm. time as somebody who's gone through so much so much hell and mental if it wasn't for the therapist that i had in high school i would not be here mm. she saved my life i walked in her room when i was 15 and i sat down and i said can i talk to somebody because we had a bunch of counselors that gave their services for free to my high school and i sat down and we talked and i broke down to her and i started going to her two times a week for the last three years of high school i was able to tell my parents everything i was going through i just didn't feel alone anymore mm. 
I finally felt like I had people that could support me. Okay, I thank you so much for coming here, bearing your soul, telling us your stories and your experiences. And I think that this is something that will help more people than you realize. So thank you for being brave and, and coming out here and being a part of this. Thank you. So thank much. you. You're welcome. Thanks for listening to today's show. And don't forget to hit that follow button to be in the loop when a new episode drops. Be sure to check out my model masterclass by visiting my website, brandonandrephoto.com or by clicking the link in my bio on Instagram at the Brandon Andre.